Hey folks, and welcome back to another episode of Straight Shot Health Talk. This is your host, Dr. Kevin. And for today's episode, we're going to talk about a fundamental misconception when it comes to pain. Now, this is incredibly common, by the way. Uh, I found find this often in a lot of um, research articles, and I find this in the way people talk, and I find this with a lot of the, the healthcare providers I work with. And this is a misconception between something that isn't pain and what pain is, okay? I'm going to be using a couple technical terms in this talk. However, we should break those down into a way that makes them pretty easy to understand. In fact, just the word itself sounds pretty big, but when you understand the concept behind it, it shouldn't be too too disconcerting here. Uh, but if any time you have any questions, comments, or concerns, and you're like, wait, this doesn't make sense, just email me, drkevin at straightshothealth.com. Uh, and I'll try to address those uh, either to you or I'll address those in a future episode. All right, so let's get start, started here. Now, the other part about this I want to – um, I'm making a video of this as well. It'll be at, at, um, uh, on YouTube under Straight Shot Health Talk just because some of the visuals may help with this. All right, so remember the, one of the, the future uh, – talk a little while ago, we talked about pain and that when you understand pain, uh, the experience of pain and what creates pain that is very much like fire. And the reason I'm going to rehammer this home again and again and again is because when we understand the fire triangle, so if you're fighting a fire and you understand the fire triangle and that there are three components to it, you have to have a fuel source, an oxidizing agent, oxygen, uh, and a heat source in order to create the process of fire and that you can combat or put out a fire by understanding how those components are fitting together and how you can dissociate them. So you can either work on the fuel source or you can cut out the oxygen or you can take away the heat. And when you do that or do multiple different ways to, to fight the fire, then you can actually fight the fire effectively. And that's why firefighters understand the fire triangle. That's why they think about the fire, fire, the fire triangle every time they go to fight a fire, by the way, um, because it's critical if you actually want to fight a fire in a way that you don't burn down buildings and get people hurt. Now, pain is the same way. Remember, there are three components to creation of the experience of pain. You have the sensory aspect. That's sort of like the fuel source. So those, those nerve transmissions that are coming up from the body, up to the brain. And then you have the, the, the emotional component, what we call the affective motivational component to that experience. And that is... Um, some of it is carried in the spinal cord as well, but most of it is in the in the other different areas of the brain. And that takes sensation and it starts looking at things like what else is happening and your prior experiences and what you've learned um, and your emotional state, whether you're happy, mad, sad, or glad, and puts that all together with that as well. And then we have the cognitive aspects or the thinking behind it that is how much attention that you're paying to that signal and how much and what your your appraisal is or what, your, what else is happening in the environment. So if you're in a threatening environment and you're like, whoa, there's a dark alley and bad things are going to happen. Or if you're walking through a field of glass and you're like, there's glass everywhere and I'm barefoot. I'm really scared about cutting myself. It The, the thinking aspect and that appraisal aspect uh, is really the heat source. So that's the heat source. The emotional component is the oxygen to our pain fire. And then the sensory aspect is really the fuel source. Okay. None of these are more important than the other, by the way. You have to have all three of them in order to create the experience of pain. Now, on the video, I'm showing a slide here, and the question is, what is this? And what I'm showing is a bunch of split wood, okay? And if I was doing this live and I asked this, people would say, that's a bunch of wood. And it is. It's a bunch of wood. And specifically, this is a bunch of firewood, okay? And if we go a little bit deeper than that, what we're looking at here is a bunch of wood, which is a potential fuel source for fire, okay? 
Now, in the same way, in this video, I'm taking apart uh, the aspect of the triangle, and all I'm just showing on the pain triangle here is that sensory, the, the sensation uh, component to it. Um, and when we're just taking one piece of the pain triangle, and we're only talking about sensation, and specifically when we're only talking about structure as an element of sensation, okay? And this is when we're often looking at an X-ray or an MRI or um, uh, CT scan, et cetera, and we start looking at a particular structure or structures in the body. What we're talking about is the same thing as firewood, okay? We're not talking about pain. We're talking about firefoot, firewood. But what we're typically trying to, to pull out of that if you're a physician or a healthcare provider, when we're looking at x-rays, MRI, CT scans, in some cases even lab work, but when we're looking at you, we're not looking at pain. We're looking at one specific piece of it. And what we're really trying to infer is whether there is a nociceptive process going on. Now, this is the technical stuff. What nociception is, it's a specific nerve term that has to do with specific nerve stimulation that conveys information about potential keyword underlined here, potential tissue damage to the brain. Now we infer nociception from structure. What that means is when we're looking at an x-ray or MRI, what we're looking at is trying to find little structures in there that look in some way, shape, or form like that there is a nerve transmission coming from them. Okay, not easy to do, by the way. Easier in some scenarios, if you have a broken bone and you fell and broke your leg and we can see a broken bone, well, we can say that there's probably a lot of nociceptive nerve information coming from that structure. Chronic, much different, but an acute scenario is way, way easier to do. The other part about that that I'm going to hit again and again and again here is nociception or nociceptors, they're not pain nerves and they're not pain pathways or pain receptors or anything else. And we're going to talk about that for a specific reason why. All they are is a warning device that tells you about potential tissue damage. Now, these nociceptors actually developed over normal sensory pathways, things like touch, temperature, um, uh, different substances, we call it like acidic substances and things like that. And they're not, as I said, they're not quote unquote pain specific. You can have nociception and not have pain and you can have pain without nociception. Um, but in but we typically use those to say, is there some sort of nerve tam uh, transmission to the brain uh, that is involving these little pathways? Now, also important with this, though, is that these nerves in the body, if I put your brain to sleep, okay, if I put your brain to sleep, but I don't do anything to the rest of your body, I'm not numbing up your entire body. And most general anesthetics, when you go to sleep for surgery, most of the time, all it is is that your brain is going to sleep. You will still have nociceptors fire in the body up to the brain. Things from pressure, things from temperature, things from the surgeon cutting you or not, from some being squeezed by some of the, the uh, clamps and stuff that the surgeons may use. All of those things will continue to fire up to the brain, right? Whether or not your brain is awake for them. And as such, what this means is no susception is a thing. It's a, it's a, it's a, what we call a linear process. It goes up to the body, to the brain itself, but the brain itself is asleep. As such, we also call this as independent from anesthesia. I mean, there's no susception is going to occur whether or not your brain is awake. Now, pain is fundamentally different. It is not the same thing as nerve information coming from the brain. And specifically, it is not the same thing as no susception. So if anybody talks about pain pathways, pain receptors, pain nerves, they don't understand, truly understand what pain is and isn't because they're using two terms that are not the same interchangeably. And when you do that, we have bad misunderstandings and we start treating things incorrectly. Because what pain is, is both the perception 
and response to that sensory information. So that sensory information gets fired from the body. We have to notice it, pay attention to it, and then we have to put the context around it, and then we respond to it in order to create that experience of pain. As such, pain is heavily influenced by multiple different things. Yes, there is a little bit of genetics to it, but a lot of it has to do with learning, what we expect something to occur, what happened in similar situations in the past, heavily influenced by current psychological status, meaning whether you're happy, mad, sad, or glad, or feeling helpless or in control, all that influences the perception of uh, and the response to that, that information. And as such, is also anesthesia-dependent. What that means, if I put your brain to sleep, if you are no longer have an awake, conscious, and alert brain, you cannot experience pain, right? Because pain is an experience generated in the brain. You have to be alert and you have to have thinking, feeling, and sensing in order to create the experience of pain, okay? You can have no susception without pain, meaning if your brain is asleep there and, and someone's pounding on your body or cutting it up like a surgeon's going to be doing if you're in the middle of a surgery, you will have lots of nociceptive information up to, the, up to the brain. But that nociceptive, that sensory information going to your brain is not the same thing as pain. Now, what this also means then is when we truly understand that pain is an experience, it's also different for other people. It's what we call a subjective experience. We can't compare my pain to your pain or your pain to anybody else's pain or, or anything else. We can't say that someone's pain is better or worse or, or, or more real than somebody else's, right? All pain is individual. All pain is per, per the individual because it's heavily influenced by all these things that are unique to each of us. Now, the big question then, well, it's not really a question because I've answered it a thousand times already, is can you have no susception without pain or pain without no susception? And as I've said, absolutely positively true. You can have no susception without pain. How do you do this? Well, you can distract someone. So in a, in a really benign sort of way to think about this, if you are doing something that you love, and the example I use when I'm talking with physicians is if you're walking through the woods and you love walking through the woods and it's a wonderful day and you're with your best friend and, and everything is going perfectly well in your life, and then you kind of push through this real tight path where there's lots of bushes and stuff, and uh, you just kind of push through them, and they're pushing, pulling on your clothes and pulling on your body, but you don't really notice it, and you keep going down the road, and after about a mile or so, all of a sudden, your friend looks over and says, man, you, why are you bleeding all over yourself? And you look down, and you found that you, you cut your arm or your wrist, because when you pushed through those bushes, one of them was a thorn bush, and it scratched your arm, caused actual damage this time, not potential damage, but actually caused tissue damage for which you were bleeding and your body's trying to recover from that, but you didn't experience pain. Now, in that scenario, you did have no susceptors fire. They will fire no matter what in those scenarios, and they will go up to the brain. However, your brain wasn't paying attention. It was distracted. It didn't see any threat around from you, didn't look at the, the, the height of that signal and, and didn't think it was important, didn't think that it was important uh, uh, for survival, and so it didn't create an experience of pain from it. Okay, On the opposite of stream, if we look at things like life or death events, now, this is a big one. When people say, well, no susception is damage, and the only time, and that's, and they equate it with damage. No, it's potential damage, but no susception, no susception also occurs when you have significant damage. But that doesn't mean you have pain. So one example of this is if you look at people who are in highly stressed life or death scenarios. So things like active combat zones where there's bombs going off and people are shooting at them and their buddies are getting hit and they're trying to drag their buddies out of the alley because there's you know people shooting at them. And those scenarios, and this has been well described many, many times now, first described in World War II, people can have serious injuries 
and yet not experience pain. And in some scenarios, people can have their leg blown off in that minute and in, in that particular moment in time. They may not even experience it. They may just think, well, there was a thud and all of a sudden I tried to walk and I fell over because I was missing my leg. How is that? Well, we're not, there's lots of neurobiological processes in here, but when you break it down and understand this in the triangle concept, what is occurring? When you're in a life or death event, you got to think, what is your brain trying to do? It's trying to preserve you. So it's looking at information from the body. Is this important right now or not? So you can have a strong nociceptive signal saying, I just got hit by a bullet or, or you know, these little guys in the body saying, ah, hey, there's this burning sensation or there's this sharp pulling sensation. Pay attention. But if the brain's saying, you know what, that information is not helping me because I need to get out of this area as fast as possible. Otherwise, I'm scared I'm going to die. The brain can inhibit that information coming up from the body. This is called top-down modulation of efferent nerve pathways, if you want the really fancy way to do it. Okay, that's a long way to say is your brain can say, ah, I don't need to know this from the body right now. It's not important. Yes, I know we're in a very threatening environment. The only thing we need to do is get out of here before we die. Okay, and the brain, so that cognitive and the, and the affective component can actually inhibit that sensory information coming up from the brain. Right? So no susception without pain, despite the fact of severe tissue damage. Other ways that we can modulate or uh, no susception without pain. If you believe a sensation is harmless, lo and behold, you will experience significantly less to no pain associated with that. All right. So if I gave you one of those joke buzzers, you know, the ones that they had in the old days and you put in your hand and you shook someone's hand and it shocked them, right? Most people will do that and be like, whoa, and you kind of get a little jolt. You have that weird prickly sharp sensation sometimes your hand may like freak out on you and things like that but then you generally start laughing because you know it's harmless right you know that and particularly if you had it done in the past and you've seen it before it's not going to harm you it's not a big deal and some people will start shocking each other as a joke just to get a little you know that little stimulation out of it now in an opposite scenario though and i put you in a dark room and i tie you down and i strap you down and i'm and i'm some sadistic torture and I do that same sensation, that same shocking sensation to you, telling you all the nasty, horrible things I'm going to do to you. And now you believe I'm causing harm. What do you think is going to occur? Your experience of pain is going to increase dramatically. Now, experimentally, they did this with um, hot and cold metal bars. And what they did is they took people and they said, hey, we're going to take um, a hot metal bar up against the back of your neck. We don't want, you can't see the bar. We're just going to put it against your back of your neck. And we're going to ask you, when do you feel this? Uh, when does it get uncomfortable? And when do you want to remove it? Because it becomes too painful. And so they put this hot metal bar in people's necks. And lo and behold, it got, they felt it pretty soon. And they got uncomfortable and they wanted it off their necks. So they took it off. And now they took the same patients and they said, we're going to take a cold metal bar. And we're going to put this metal bar against the back of your neck as well. And so they put the cold metal bar against these patients, uh, these people, not patients, these people's necks. And they said, same thing. Tell us when you feel it. Tell us when it gets uncomfortable and tell us when to take it off. And they got those numbers. And lo and behold, those numbers were different. People tended to um, not be, it wasn't as uncomfortable as fast as it was with the hot metal bar. And it didn't be, uh, experience pain with it, um, with the cold metal bar at a much later duration as compared to somebody with a hot metal bar. Now, here's the key thing, though. The bars were exactly the same. All they were was very, very, very cold. But what the experimenters did just manipulate this very, the variability of perception of heat versus cold. And the reason that becomes important is we have a tendency culturally, if you think something is hot, we're more likely to believe that it's going to cause harm to our bodies. 
And so in this scenario, what they did is, again, they manipulated this variable and found that when people believe that this, this sensation was causing harm, heat causes harm, that they experienced pain from it sooner and more intense than when they believed it was cold, cold causing less harm. Same metal bar. And the last one we talked about general anesthesia. If I put your brain to sleep, we can do whatever you want to your body, and you're not going to experience pain because your brain is a slave. Now, can you have pain without nociception? Absolutely. How do we do that? When we put you in a high threat scenario, not so high that you believe your life is at risk, right? We talked about that in the war zones here. But if I put you in a scenario where, you know, again, there's glass all over the place and you're trying to walk through a walk through it in bare feet. Or if you're walking into a dark alley and you're like, man, I'm worried because last time I got in a dark alley, someone someone attacked me from behind and mugged me in those high threat environments. Your body is going to take information even non-nociceptive information, and can turn that into an experience of pain. Um, similar to this is belief of harm. So we already talked about this when we talked about the hot and cold metabolics. If you expect something is going to cause harm to you, including movement, by the way, lo and behold, your experience of pain is going to go up from it. The other ones are expectations. So if you expect something to hurt, your body starts wiring up. Your brain starts paying more attention to it. And if you're expecting it to cause harm, your brain starts looking for threat. Lo and behold, if I tell you this is going to cause this is this is a, a horrible sensation and, and it's, we're going to burn your body, even if we're not. Lo and behold, those sensations that you generate from it are going to be much more. Uh, you're going to have much more of an experience of pain from it than not, and anticipation as well. The key part about all of this, though, is that no susception is not the same thing as pain. Sensory information from the body is not the same thing as pain. In the same way that firewood is not the same thing as fire. Now, when we understand this concept, it would be you think it'd be insane if someone took a piece of wood and they stuck it in their fireplace and then stood around it and started rubbing their hands, going, Oh man, this fire is gonna make me so warm. When all they do is they have a piece of firewood in here, right? You have to have two other elements, including the firewood, in order to create fire. And the same thing with pain. People are rubbing their hands around going, Ah, there's something broken. Obviously, that's the source of pain. Or I have um, whatever ridiculous thing that my physician told me on my MRI that's probably a normal finding, but they told it was where my pain's coming from. That's not the same thing as pain. And the in the best case scenario, all we're looking at is a nociceptive information coming from the body, not pain. Same way, firewood is not the same thing as fire. Again, super, super key to understand because there are so many people running around talking about well, your pain is coming from this. Your pain is coming from that. And what I talk to physicians about is anytime you're talking about pain and, you, and you're saying it's coming from something that's not in the brain, you are no longer talking about pain. What you're really describing is, or what you're really trying to infer from it is no susception in the best case scenario. Again, that becomes important because if we mislabel no susception as pain, we get confused in what our treatments are and we start treating things ineffectively and in harmful methods that that uh, can cause harm to people. In the same way as if all firemen walked around and saw wood and they said fire wood or that wood equals fire and they're chopping it with axes and dumping water on it. And that's not the, what you need to do if you have a, an oxygen fire where there's like tons of oxygen on this thing causing that to go off. You need to go after the oxygen source. Or if you have like a, a laser beam or a blowtorch blowing, the thing is to turn off a laser beam or blowtorch, not to pay attention to the fuel source as well. When we start using terms in ways that aren't true 
and using them to equate things that are not even the same, nociception is not the same thing as pain, we start treating things ineffectively. And as a patient, if we understand that, it starts opening up the doorways for ways that we can understand to treat our pain more effectively. And for physicians and healthcare providers, it starts clarifying things so we know where our therapies fit and we're not just throwing things up against the wall uh, or, or randomly doing things and saying, well, some people get better and some people don't. And the reason that that patient didn't get better is because they're faking it or it's not real or other patient blaming crap that we do. So anyway, key thing here, no susception is not the same thing. I know this was a lot to talk about here. I know uh, that there may, if this is a little confusing to you, please let me know. Happy to take emails at Dr. Kevin at Straight Shot Health Talk. I mean, sorry, <laughs> Dr. Kevin at StraightShotHealth.com. And until next time, folks, stay well.